Hello and welcome to the Wonder Baba podcast. My name is Sheena Mitchell. I'm a pharmacist and mum of three. I'm here to chat all about child and family health. If you enjoy listening to a Wonder Baba podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could follow or subscribe and leave a review. It really helps to support the show. Thank you. So today I am joined by Miriam Kenny from Involve Autism Dublin 6 Dublin 6 W. I am talking to Miriam about autism. So Miriam, thank you so much for joining me. Can you first of all just tell me a little bit about yourself and Involve Autism and how it all started and I suppose why you do what you do? Hi, thanks for having me on. I am the mother of an autistic child who's now 10. I started Involve Autism uh, nearly, well, four years ago, really, particularly around advocating for school places in our area. So when it started off in Dublin 6 and 6W, only one school had special classes and there was nothing at second level. So that was a huge concern. And as I kind of set it up, Things have grown and there's lots of parents locally. So we have three pillars within Involve Autism that support advocacy and inclusion. So we have monthly support meetings in the evening and then we have coffee mornings as well for parents. And that's a very supportive network. We also do a lot of advocacy and particularly around education. And then the inclusion piece, we're really looking at trying to include our children in the community more. Um, some of our children are involved in the Randall Rockets, it might be in the Terranure Tigers. What you find is, for me, is that uh, it was very isolating having an autistic child, particularly in our own area, because it seemed like there weren't any children here who were autistic, because most of the children that would have had the same level as need as my own son were not in the area because they were kind of either bussed out to the other schools. So it was very difficult initially but it turns out there's actually quite a lot of parents in the area and a lot of children in the area who are autistic. And I suppose we've got a great group of parents and very supportive to each other. So it's been it's been great. It's grown very organically and we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram and also have a private Facebook page to try and give support that way as well. And also we've developed great friendships. I suppose a lot of our children probably will be around the same age now. There's more and more parents joining all the time. And we're not just about double six and six W. There will be other parents from the surrounding areas. It's all about what suits yourself and where you're most comfortable with and who you'd like to kind of be with. I like finding your tribe, you know, and being part of that. And people are always very welcome. And the other thing we like in particular, I think, is that we have a lot of the, the dads involved as well, which is lovely. Um, a lot of them are very involved in their children's lives and very committed to their children. And we have great advocates on our children's behalf in the group, both men and women. But it's just such a lovely thing to have so, so many dads involved as well. We're very proud of that. Before we go into understanding autism a little bit more, you spoke there beautifully about your own area and how it grew organically. And I would just like to say that I've been watching you for some time and it's not been all that organic. <laughs> you put a, a lot of hard work in it as well. So, you know, I absolutely think that you should give yourself a pat on the shoulder for that. Thank you. Um, but it's hard because you're one area, you know, in Dublin. So nationwide, like this problem is everywhere. So there may be people all over the country feeling very isolated. The key message from what you're saying there is that it's so important to speak out and speak to people and try and get support because that isolation is very difficult. Yeah, and I think it's to reach out and don't be afraid to reach out. And it could be one or two of you that start off and then the other person knows somebody else. It doesn't have to be 
very formalized you know ours has become like that and there's lots of great groups in dublin dublin there's groups um around the country now i think and there's lots of great partnerships great galway um autism partnership in wexford is a cottage autism network and there's other things happening around the country so you know not to be afraid to reach out i suppose lots of people when they're parents and i only have one child and parenting itself you know is a new thing for lots of people and they meet these people maybe the playground they have a chat and then you meet them at the school gates but when your child or is autistic or has um you know might have any different challenges sometimes those uh, possibilities don't come your way because it's actually quite difficult to do that and maybe your child hasn't been diagnosed yet you're not quite sure what's wrong you don't really know you've no experience of it so that can be very very isolating then because you just think oh my god my child now might have a meltdown or might not be able to cope in this environment and I actually don't know what to do with it and then I don't know within a parenting situation people are saying things about their child and you're going god it's not happening with my child my child's doing something else here there must be something wrong so it's both just being confident to say do you know what i am not the only one and what's been a great support for lots of parents is is this facebook groups so of things like autism mammy and things like that and there's autism families ireland uh, and and it's great that those things are there for people and it might be a way for people to get connected and there's some great local groups here as well you know um, in different areas of Dublin as well beginning to be formed so that's all really positive so I suppose it's kind of like feel the fear and do it anyway it's all about connection and trying to get connected and, and you know within that connection it gives you support yeah okay we could probably dive into that a whole lot more but just before we move on I think it's really important obviously there's a lot of people listening who have heard the term autism a lot but maybe don't fully understand what it is to be an autistic person can you explain if if possible just what autism is if you're looking at autism, you've got the medical model through the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic tool that is used for, for autism. So it's quite, when you look at that from a medical perspective, the, the wording of that is in, in itself can be quite difficult to navigate. But I was just looking at um, one of the great uh, things that has come about in Ireland is As I Am, which is run by um, Adam Harris, who's himself autistic. And there is phenomenal resources on their website. So when I was thinking about this, I think probably the thing we could look at is that autism is a life long developmental difference or disability it is characterized as a difference in communication and socializing preferences and the differences in how a person experiences the world around them and I think that's a really good synopsis so what would that mean from our sense our son communication would be difficult we would have a significant speech and language delay and that's probably when we would have noticed it the most so the communication and also socializing would find that difficult and that's his and I suppose the one thing they would always say is that every child is different they do have common traits of course but there's the differences and your child is your child so to remember that 37% of people who are autistic might also have an intellectual disability and that's a different profile again so it's really it's it's comp- complex enough and there's lots of things that go in with it but it is also to try and embrace the child for who they are when you understand it more yourself and it's the understanding of it and understanding your child and meeting your child where they are at but that takes a while because obviously if you have a child 
and you're not quite sure, you know, what's going on or there's something going on, then you get you might get a diagnosis if you're lucky enough to get one, because it's very difficult for parents to get that at the moment. You know, and then you're left with, you know, the kind of there can be quite a bereavement for some people or not. That depends on you or people can be relieved to say, oh, do you know what? Now this makes sense. What am I going to do? So within that, you know, there's great strengths within it. And it's about looking at your child's strengths at all times and try to, you know, work with them and really begin to understand your child. So I don't know if that gives you a good yeah, flavor of it. It absolutely does. And I think they're like the main emphasis on what you said is just the thing that I suppose stuck out to me and particularly from the as I am description is is differences. So it's it's a key difference in a way, you know, an autistic person will communicate. But some of the characteristics that I read on the As I Am website, as you said, it's a great resource for young children. They say potentially young children, you may notice it because of an avoidance of eye contact or not smiling back in response. Things like taste, smell or sounds may be triggers or aggravating. They may display repetitive movements and they might be kind of repeating some phrases. And for older kids, then not seeming to understand other people's emotions and also finding it hard to say how they feel and the need really for a strict routine. But I think, like you said there, what I've learned just from speaking to you and, you know, reading on as I am is really every child is different. While you can list characteristics, they're not a definition. And it's very important, as you said there, to go child by child. Um, yeah, you need to be child and tune into your own child. But that takes time. Do you know what I mean? So I would know that our child loves routine and it is he is restrictive in his routine and we know we have to prepare. So if you're a parent who knows that, you know what, in this situation, my child will find this difficult. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to prepare him for that. So say we're going to a new place. We've been invited somewhere. Could be a play center. We'll go online. We'll go and see pictures of that. We'll say we're first we're going to go in, you know, in daddy's car or whatever. And then we're going to go to the play center. And then these people will be here. You'll be here for that length of time. Then we'll finish and then we'll go home. And if we prepare him well, then he'll he'll enjoy it then because he knows what's happening. So I think it's really important. It's the sometimes ch- children who are autistic respond very well to using visuals. Very good visual learners, very good visually, and they know what's going on uh, on as a result of that and using that. So you're, what you're trying to do is scaffold around them, so for for them to be enabled to participate in what they want to be participating in. So even say with the Randall Rockets, they've worked very closely with people who've been involved in the club, actually, like edu- education psychologists and also OT, and they've helped them devise the program so that the children are able to participate as much as they can. They know exactly what's going to happen and it works really well. So it's all about planning a lot. So you begin to learn that you can't just, well, I, in our situation, it might be the same for everybody else, but in our situation, we can't be over overly spontaneous so we have to plan. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is every child is different 
and the learning around it is quite a, a steep curve but there's things that you can now go and look at we talked about as i am this middletown center for autism there is also the national autistic society in england and these things really help parents while you're trying to figure things out yourselves there's some great books that are written there again but sometimes that can be very overwhelming for a parent you can't take it all on board and you won't know your child until you understand your child a little bit more and that takes quite a while so I mean it is overwhelming and so not to take that away from people but then that's the support piece isn't it that's the piece you want you want to be able to reach out could be families some families don't understand it that can be difficult as well and they might be going through something themselves so also as I am actually have a support line for parents now as well our parents are autistic people it's it's across the gamut so it, it, it's great to hear all those things are there. So I suppose for people not to feel, oh, my God, I'm the only person here or my child's the only person here and to try and to kind of learn a lot more uh, around it. I suppose one of the positive things that's come out of COVID be things like Zoom and using webinars. So you've been able to access really phenomenal things online that maybe you might not have been as able to do before. And that can be very helpful for parents who do have autistic children and, you know, find childcare can be difficult. They can pop on for an hour or something like that, you know, and Inclusion Ireland as well. They're very good as well. So there's lots of things out there. So not to be afraid to kind of try and see what the support's like. Yeah. One thing there, just when you're talking about perception from people's families in terms of maybe addressing some of the confusion or lack of understanding that your own family members may have when you're telling them that your child is autistic or that you're going through the process of assessment. Obviously, there you flagged it as I am would be a useful resource to maybe send on your family members. And also, I think it's really important for parents to know that there is no known cause of autism because it's a conversation that you hear people trying to identify a reason and it's it's just important to emphasize that there isn't one no and I think there's a historic things around parenting and about motherhood around that years ago um, and that could be quite difficult so really I think when you don't understand maybe that the child is finding a situation stressful and to somebody else that might look like oh my god that child is you know their behavior isn't you know, we're not happy about that. But what that really is, the child's trying to communicate something and might not be able to communicate, i.e. this is too much for me and this is too unstructured for me and I'm finding this very stressful. So that is what you are seeing. So it's not a child like in the inverted commas of the old way, that child's just a bit bold. You know what I mean? They're not bold. There's reasons for it, you know, and then... Again, it's to have people who are understanding of that. But parents can find it quite difficult maybe in with family because family don't understand it either. So I think you have to give your own family time as well to come to terms with something like that because like they're going through their own process as well, you know, and maybe they don't have understanding. But we would find that once parents... And, you know, you'll always have one or two that don't will never understand it. But in my own case, my own... I, I, my parents are, are not no longer with us and they're, they're not around a long time, but my own family and my own brothers have been phenomenal and my husband's parents and family have been great too. So that that has provided us with great support. But I think you do have to give other people 
time or a break because they're not going to know everything either. And, you know, we have to kind of bring people with you and say, look, I'm just going to explain this to you. And, you know, and, and in explaining that, most people will say, jeepers, the more and more, I suppose, people become aware about autism and what that looks like, I think we're going to, you know, things will, will improve. The environment has to be right as well for autistic um, children and adults, you know. And I think that's it. Um, a lack of compassion only comes really from a lack of understanding. So Yeah. 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 To just, you know, and people don't mean it. So and they'll always have somebody. They'll always be one, as they'd say, but you just leave them off. Yeah. How common is autism in Ireland? Well, the prevalence rates that are used, I think, at the moment is at 1.55%, right? So that'd be nearly like one in a hundred, but like uh, that's what's used at the moment, right? But the prevalence rates up north are higher. They're 4.5%. Now, does that mean prevalence rates are higher in the north or that diagnostic access to meet a clinician who says, yes, your child is autistic? we've got a huge problem here about assessment. So it's very hard to know exactly. The states then would have different figures as well. But the prevalence rates that I'm quoting there are used by the National Council for Special Education is 1.55%, which is kind of a little bit lower, we would feel, than is what the reality is. Okay. If you're a parent who has noticed some characteristics in your child that you feel you want to have them assessed, just so that you can access supports that your child has a right to and that you need as a parent. What is the process for going for assessment? I know you mentioned there that it's very difficult to get assessment in Ireland. So what's available through the public system? I've, I've heard a lot of narrative about people having to go private um, so really what you're what, what, what you what you would hope would happen would be probably somebody would say look there's probably something going on with your child you might be the person who's referred to a pediatrician uh, and a pediatrician might say you know I think your child needs to look at maybe going for an autism diagnosis you might come to your GP and your GP says do you know what I think you might need to go for an autism diagnosis or you might be through the public health nurse if your child is very young you know and it's kind of within all of that an autism diagnosis point of view to the health service you will apply for an assessment of need now it's quite complex I'm not getting into the ins and outs of what what that's about so you would hope you go to the HSC um, you apply for assessment of need and that was within, within the Disability Act is supposed to be done within a particular space of time and there's been huge issues with waiting lists and also the way and how they have been doing assessments or they have not been assessing. You'll see in the media there's been an awful lot going on with that. You would be referred to the HSC. And then, of course, if that's not an option for you and you're waiting, 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 um, then a lot of parents would go uh, privately. Now, the very important thing about going privately is that you're going to somebody who is properly recognized and to be very careful about that because you're vulnerable when you're looking and to make sure you, the Psychological Society of Ireland, now you don't need to be registered, I think, with them, but just to see other recommendations from other parents, maybe, maybe going, they, I know people can't recommend people, but you might get a name from somebody and make sure you're look, looking at the multidisciplinary approach. So you're looking at not just um, maybe with the psychologist as a speech therapist involved, maybe an OT. So you're getting a full picture of the differences or the challenges that your child might have and, and what you might be able to do to support that. 
But the thing at the moment is the waiting list to do with the health service are very long and there's a lot of change going on in relation to how uh, disability services are being um, administered in, in Ireland, I suppose. So that's caused a lot of issue. And then the private route, why do you need it, right? So you don't need a diagnosis of autism to access support in school. You don't need it, but you do need it if your child needs the extra support of a special class at the early intervention stage, at primary, at secondary level, and or a special school. So this is when people begin to really panic, you know what I mean? So if you're in if you're in a situation where you have your five year six year old in school, they've started school. It becomes quite apparent that it's quite difficult for them. Um, the schools can identify that child and hopefully get some support from an SNA or learning support. But within that, that depends on where what the school's resources are like. So it's complex enough. So to come back to the question about diagnosis. That is the way to go to get a comprehensive diagnosis for your child. And in doing that, maybe it might help you to understand them a little bit more. From the services point of view, again, we have community network disability teams. Um, there's been a, quite a change um, to do the progressing disability services. And that's interdependent on where you live as to what kind of supports you're going to get. And there's again, there's a whole issue around that so what a lot of parents do if they can afford it not every parent can afford that and that's this is what the issue is and it's completely incorrect that you know anybody should have to really suffer like this when they're trying to a long waiting list so parents will then say maybe get a diagnosis and then we'll go and get private speech therapy and ot and physio or whatever they need or psychology then some parents would be fortunate enough maybe to have something like health insurance that will cover some of that. And that could be a very positive way of doing so. It depends on different plans that are there. You might get 50% or 75% back okay. for them. So that can help. So it is very difficult for parents who are just starting on the journey again, you know, um, to know what to do there. But it's to reach out um, again. Sometimes it's it's the other parents that tell you what to do. There are wait and I tell you what I did and who did yeah. I go to and all that kind of thing. And what is the impact on a child in terms of missed early intervention? Well, there's a lot written about it from an SLT point of view, learning how to communicate in certain sections. Some children may be nonverbal and within that, again, they might need um, assistive technology. You know what I mean? You're meeting the child where they're at again and you're saying, okay, what does this child need to say with something like speech therapy? With occupational therapy, very good for like a regulation for the, for the child, maybe around sensory input, about you learning about what their sensory profile is like. And within that, then you know what to do with your child you know, to kind of help them maybe a little bit calmer. So all of those things, I think, would be very important. So you're trying to set the building blocks so that the child will, you know, you're, you're helping them to build to up progress. so that they, you know, yeah, they progress. Yeah. And but progression in the sense of what, how they will progress themselves. So you're trying to give them the tools um, and, and I suppose communication and not being able to communicate and it also again is something that is a fundamental right that you should be able to you know communicate and given access to things like assistive technology if you need it you know um, 
and also to learn, you know, communication and also to help you with things like routines and things like that and how to get your child or it could be very basic things like a child might have difficulty with dressing. So it's giving your child access to all of that very early on. And I suppose it kind of it gives the child the building blocks, I think, you know, but I think parents shouldn't have it's very important. But, you know, some parents get into a big panic then. Oh, my God, I didn't know my child was autistic and now we've missed out and all that. You have to be where you are and that's where you are at that time. And then if, there, if you have a possibility of trying to do things, well, then this is, you just go for it then. I suppose, yeah, like what you're saying there is supporting your child to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. And, and not to be, you know, it's hard enough without berating yourself or, you know, it's already hard enough. So, you know, go easy on yourself. You're doing your very, very best. Unfortunately, as a parent, you should be getting the supports to help you with that. But you're probably not. And that's so a lot of the stress around having an autistic child is not about your child's autism. It's about the lack of services, the lack of school places. So it's not actually about your child. Sometimes your child gets lost there somewhere. And I'm not saying things aren't difficult for, and so lots of parents in our group would report that some of the children would find sleep very difficult. And then, you know, trying to work with that. And then if you haven't slept and your child hasn't slept and then you're tired and then you have other children and then you might have more than one autistic child, it can be very difficult for parents. So it's, the, it's trying to, to manage all that as well can be very difficult for families. It should just make your heart absolutely sink to think that early intervention can remove some of that burden from the child because obviously the communication piece is huge because we know that autistic kids obviously may have concerns about busy or loud or whatever type of environment. And if they can't communicate that, the parent can't identify ways. No, and all you want to do is help your child out. But if they had ways of kind of like, you know, might have something again, they can point to, they might have visuals that will help them with that. They might learn that, you know, I'm actually, I'm getting stressed here, you know, as they get older, you know, to be able to identify that to say, well, you know what, I need to take myself away from this or everything. But, it's not going to make a child not not what they are already. It gives them the, the, the skills, I suppose, that, in, as you said, makes the best version of themselves. And I think it's important to say that, you know, because as a parent, your expectations could be, all right, now they'll get this and they'll be fine. But then you realize that actually, no, the challenges are there for them. Our child was diagnosed very early on at two and a half and it was very apparent and now he's 10. So that's a lot of learning and it's a huge learning curve for us within that. And it'll be another learning curve as he gets older. I think sometimes people misunderstand and don't realize that if you're autistic, you're autistic forever. So yeah. you need to find ways to live your life. And well, it's a lifelong developmental condition is what they'd say. So within that, though, what does that mean for for uh, your child so to remember but but again don't think oh my god and i i think i what i've decided to do of late is to say i'm going to enjoy my 10 year old yeah because if i start worrying which i would have done a lot about about the 21 year old i i can build i can do what i'm doing now to ensure that from an education perspective it's edu- very important for all children doesn't matter who you are Every child should get an excellent education. It doesn't matter. And I mean that socioeconomically and everything. I have a great passion about that. So the education are the building blocks for all of this, right? 
but you want to try and enjoy the child that is in front of you and enjoy and embrace your 10 year old because he won't be 10 forever and there's great joy in our child as well and he does have his difficulties but there is great joy and people people are very very fond of him you know and he is we're very look oh look you know we're very I'm obviously <laughs> I can say that but he does I'm not saying that it's all roses in the garden but but just to acknowledge that and, and his personality and and to let him to be who he is and to try and enjoy him because it gets you know and, and that's okay for me to say because we have managed we have an only child and both of us are working and we have been able to support our child by getting access to services, which I know other parents haven't been able to do that. And that's the heartbreaking bit because it's an unjust society, you know, to I me mean, when that happens. So I suppose part of the advocacy piece for me is, you know, being the voice for my child, I suppose, on such a stage when he may be able to be his own voice, you know, so yeah. our involved autism is a voice for autism in our local community. And it's about that voice and raising your voice and being the voice for your child. Try and enjoy them in some way or the other. You know, a 10 year old is a 10 year old. They won't be 10 forever. And actually, it's important for all parents to remember that because lives are busy. And sometimes Mm. we just forget to stop and breathe and Mm. enjoy the now. So I think that's a great point. And I think it's really good to celebrate. So we might have something and I'm not talking about getting the medals. I'm talking about celebrate when a child does something that they found very difficult to do. Our child recently learned to put on his coat. And that's a huge thing for us. He's been at that for ages in the school. have been very supportive as well. They've been fantastic. So it's so lovely that he's got that independence, you yes, know, absolutely. and things like that. Or goes and gets some juice himself in the fridge. And that is that's taken a long time, but he, we celebrate that, isn't he great? Like, you know, yeah. so or even the fact he would have found school to be very difficult, but he's now in a special class in our local one of our local schools and he's he's really running into school every day. And that just gives us such great joy to see that. So within his own little world, he has his own little world and he should have his own little world. It's not all about us either. So that just to say that to give people hope, it's very difficult when initially you think, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and, and and it is. And it's OK to feel like that. It's, it's OK to go through those emotions. You have to go through them yourself. Very different for other parents, you know. And that, though, that falls on the health service, really. Yeah. Just yeah. like, look, every parent can only do their best. And I think, as you say there, regardless of what supports that you're actually able to access, even though you should be able to access them all, You've given a lot of really, really good advice and a lot of really good resources that people can go and look at. And I'll put all of the links for those in the show notes. And at least parents can feel somewhat empowered so they're not just sitting and waiting. They're actually able to support their child now and to try and enjoy today, as you said. And I think that's the most important thing we've tried to do as a group of parents is to empower our parents because you are very vulnerable when your child has, you know, has the difference like having being autistic and, you know, you're fighting and you're battling all the time and that vulnerability is there. So if you do know and understand, you know, a little bit more about the service, a little bit more about maybe from your child's education, you can work much more collaboratively with people. So it's to give people that opportunity to 
kind of empower themselves and, and kind of signpost where they can go to get information. It's really important, you know. Um, and if you can't do it, it's because you have a friend that might help you out. Because somebody else advocate on your behalf, you know. Can somebody else help? Because sometimes it's difficult again, as I said, people aren't sleeping and all the stuff that goes with that. And can I speak a little bit about, I don't want to go into this obviously too much because, you know, it's different in every area and I'm conscious that we've people all over the country listening. But in Dublin, there is a particular lack of school places. And I know you have fought exceptionally hard along with everyone you know, who's joined you in the Involve Autism, Dublin 6, Dublin 6W campaign and you've, you know, really made things happen. And seeing, I suppose, you achieve that over the years, really, it's horrific because you should be able to just parent your child. You shouldn't have to fight so hard. But you spoke there about collaboration. So I suppose just to touch on collaboration with schools and getting the most out of maybe the school place you're in now and obviously once that assessment has been done potentially trying to find a school place for your child you know I suppose learning to negotiate the the system a little bit I know it's a huge topic so it's really more just to to point parents and maybe motivate parents to access any local networks they can to try and help, as you said, advocate for their child, because a very important thing is that every child has a right to an education in Ireland and it should be an appropriate one, because if it's not, you're not enabling the child, as we said earlier, to be the best version of themselves. So, yeah, and appropriate's one thing, I suppose, but also local was very yes. much about what we were about as well. And why is that? Because I'm born bred in this area and I went to my local school and so did my brothers and so do our, and I have all these friends from that and we're very much part of the community as a family because of that. And it's just something, you know, and I would say this all the time, your child will become an adult and you want your child to be part of the community from the beginning. So our campaign was very much around this. So we have children who are well supported in their in our fantastic local schools and we have fantastic local schools. Um, but there was a cohort of children who needed and were recommended for special classes. And this is where the issue was. So there weren't enough of them you would contact the National Council of Special Education. You have a special education needs officer and through them, you would work with them to try and find your child an appropriate school placement. But if there's nothing in your local schools, you more than likely are transported past your local schools to another area that does have classes. So it's very challenging if you've got a two and a half year old a three-year-old who needs early intervention you're being told well there isn't a class here but you can put your child in a taxi um, with some they will have supervision in that taxi and off they'll go to that then when they go to primary school then you have to try and find another place and then that child goes off on a bus somewhere and then they're in secondary school so most people when they have young children start off maybe they might have a crash they might have a childminder then they have their ECI scheme. Then there might be a transition into the local primary school. Don't have to think about anything on the secondary school. And then the last transition point is the point, you know, just finish the leaving cert. And all, if your child gets to that stage, not every child is destined for that. Or again, it's about meeting the child there. 
So you're talking about transition points, but when you have a child who has uh, is autistic or might uh, have um, additional educational needs, trying to find that school place is very difficult and it's not the same. So we would be in a situation where we live that the whole estate goes to a local school here. And unfortunately, there's a few of our children that can't because they haven't got a special class. And that means then we're not meeting Nula from down the road, having a chat at the gate and all that. So it's it's all of that stuff. So that's why that this is important. And the other thing is that it's very important that those children are very well supported within those classes. And so are the teachers and the SNAs need very well trained and also that they have wraparound supports. So this is part of the fight for us as well has been around that. Now, because of our campaigning, there has been some change in the area. I'm absolutely delighted about that. And a lot of that is because we've kept campaigning um, and there's, a, there's been a number of things. And, I, I, you know, we've had two big public meetings, kept campaigning all during COVID. It has been some amount of work and we're still at it because we want it done properly and we're not finished yet. But it takes a lot of work. You have to be very determined, completely voluntary. And we've had to go to such an extent between we would have been in and out of the doll every two minutes. And I mean that and, and you know, kept at it in the media, on, you know, social media. Also, we were involved there in we put a complaint into the ombudsman. Our complaint and other complaints of parents uh, triggered that ombudsman report that came out planned for places there and were actually uh, featured in that. So, you know, we've done it in such a way as we've questioned the systems that are there. And in doing that, you're hopefully trying to change strategically what's happening as well, not just class by class, school by school. I just can't imagine. And you just must be so completely exhausted by it all because parenting any child is absolutely (laughs) exhausting. I can't imagine to have to fight for such basic rights. And what you said about belonging within your community is so important. And just to put another slant on that, the only way that we can move towards an accepting and diverse environment is to create one from the get go. And especially what we were speaking about earlier about the parental stress that's involved in advocating for your child, never mind just meeting their daily needs, which are a lot more demanding in many cases than any other child. And when you have a young baby, you accept those additional needs because you know that as your child gets older, the needs will ease and they'll become more independent. But I I can only imagine that when you're not sure of when you're going to achieve little little wins like you did today, you know, with your son and his coat or over the last few weeks, it's just a much longer, longer sustained effort and tiring. So that's why you come back to the education piece and that's why it's so important and independent skills and all those things that go, you know, talk about, you know, supports that are required across the lifespan. It's not just about the child, you know what I mean? So you have to think about that. Now, there is moves, like there's a strategy coming on board. So things are beginning to happen. As long as not everything's left on the shelf, we really want to make sure that these things happen. But as a parent, I think, you know, it is very tiring and I'm not going to say it's not. It is. And I would also work part time. You know, there's there's a couple there, you know, you'll find that one of the couple might not be working because maybe they've other, they can't manage. It's too much or have had to give up their career. That often happens. But and then I suppose if you're parenting alone, then it's up another notch for parents again if they have to manage that themselves. So 
you know, if you have the support of a partner and, and one of you isn't able to kind of manage to be in employment because you actually need to be at home because of your child's level of need, that happens quite a lot. And that's what we've seen quite a lot. And it's very isolating as well. Um, and financially can be difficult then if you've yeah. made, had to make that decision. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's a kind of, it, it, there's layers and layers and layers upon it, you know. You've spoken a lot about how parents can support their autistic child. How can the community support families who have an autistic child? I think it is really to kind of begin to understand. You you can't be in anybody else's shoes. You can't. And your lived experience, but it's to support them. And it could be like I joined our parents association in school and they've been so supportive of me and our campaign and everything. So really, and they wouldn't have known about that beforehand. And lots of people just don't know because it hasn't crossed their path. Now there's lots of things going on within the sports, you know, like local sports clubs are doing stuff. And that's great. That's a great way of getting um, more involved there. From the community's perspective, I suppose, it's really about education, I think. And also, I think we had quite a charity model when it came to disability before. So it was like, oh, God love them. You know what I mean? But I don't want anybody to say, God love my child because he's my child. And really, it's yes, things are can be difficult, but like, how can we make this better? How can we include them in the community? So you might be in a class situation and you often hear that children who are autistic might not be invited to birthday parties. And that, that doesn't happen all the time. So it could be that people are fearful and don't know what to do or don't know what to ask them, but maybe give people permission to ask you and say, well, look, um, listen, I'm bringing them for an hour. Can you tell me where you're going? Uh, listen, I'll be outside or I'll stay with them. Is that OK with you? And you negotiate around it. So that could be quite isolating if people don't include you. And I think it could be because they don't know how to include you, you yes. know, so don't be aggrieved or don't be put off. And somebody just doesn't know what to do because genuinely they might not know what to do. And that's OK. Because it's just in any other thing, you know, we don't always know what the other person is going through. So so just as a parent, uh, parent to parent, don't be afraid to say, look, are you having a bad day? Is there anything I could do to support? Is there anything I could do to help out? Just let me know. And I'm not going to intrude upon that. You know what I mean? You can say it nicely. And then it's the education piece around what, as we're talking about, what is autism and how can I support them? and as I said every child is different though so it's that negotiation piece and that negotiation with other people and I hope parents of neurotypical children listen today because you've made it a lot more clear I think even for me most people do want to help they just don't know how a tough question now what would you say Miriam has been the hardest part of parenting an autistic child for you I think the lack of support and I think that and and fighting for his education and that has been the most difficult part for us um, really and having to do something like this and having to set up an advocacy group and having to be that voice and um, when when it looks like on paper everything is there and that has been the most difficult piece and I think also the worry then when your child isn't in an appropriate school placement even though it's phenomenal support in his schools and I always say that and they were fantastic the environment just wasn't right for him you know he needed the extra support again and hopefully things might get a bit better but you're going to be worrying again now about secondary school and what's going to happen there you know so for us I think it's been that battle 
and that constant battle and having to raise our voices and having hoping that you're going to be heard uh, and trying to change the system, trying to say, look, can we start asking questions here? Can we start politically not thinking, you know, looking at this politically? This is about a child. These are about children. This is about children's future you know, yeah. and let's start looking at that. And I suppose the other thing will be is our son when maybe he is, maybe he's sick and he can't tell you what he's sick or um, he can't communicate that to you. Or then if he's distressed and you're not quite sure what that is about. And that is very upsetting because it's terrible to think the child can't say, listen, I have a headache and I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling well. And then you might be saying, well, God, he's fine. What's wrong with him? And then all of a sudden he's sick and you're going, oh, my God, I didn't realize that he wasn't well. I find that difficult. And apart from being involved in education, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an ex-nurse as well. And I find that really difficult that I can't know when I would have known. I know what to do kind of thing, be very practical kind of person. I'll go, right, what do we need to do next, you know? Yeah, I think it's really important that I hope on some level, if there's anyone from the powers that be can, that can hear now, the fact that the most difficult part of parenting an autistic child is not the autism, it is the lack of support and services is absolutely horrendous and unacceptable. Oh. I think a lot of parents have been through so much they've nearly got um, PTSD and I mean that. And I think there isn't an, an understanding. Like I've had lots of stressful times in my life. Uh, for di various different things but this has been the worst stress I have ever come across in my life and I find that very difficult and I, I can't believe that parents are being put under that kind of level of stress so that stress also leads to difficulties with you know mental health you know physical health you know that level of stress and and there's lots written around that as well and I think there should there has to be acknowledgement around that, that the caregivers need support. And I mean, mean psychological support, they need counseling, they need support. And you, you can't just keep hoping that they're just going to be all okay, because you will hear all the time that people really do find that stressful. And I think it's really important that that's acknowledged, you know, and I think that the supports are needed for parents. Yeah. And even <laughs> looking at it from a HSE perspective, in terms of, I suppose, economics you're allowing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people be exasperated to the point of needing potentially medical intervention for their mental health and physical health as a result of ignoring a problem like and also for the autistic person and um, there is research around the fact of the cost to the state Mm. around not having supports earlier on you have to play the long game here you have to provide supports early on so that you can give the building blocks so to help the child or to become the adult and the adult who's got the potential to be the best, as you said, the best um, version of themselves, whatever that is, you know, yeah. and enable them to be that. The best part of parenting in general, <laughs> The best part of parenting, I suppose for us, is you were talking, our, our son is very affectionate. He's learned, I suppose, he wouldn't have hugged before, but he does hug you now. And he goes, I, I want to give you a kiss and a hug. And that to me just means everything. And you're going to start crying because we would be as, a, you know, he just is very gentle and he's very kind. You know, my husband's very gentle as well. And it's, it's, it's his way of wanting, like every morning he'll come up and he wants to give you a kiss and a hug. And a long time he didn't do that and he wouldn't do that. He found that very difficult 
So that's a great joy for me at the moment. Now, I don't know how much more appropriate it's going to be as getting older, but, you know, I'll take it as it is. So if he comes in for a cuddle in the morning or he also loves books. Now he's reading as he's coming along, but he, he loves books and he loves to be read too. And like he's learned off books and he quotes Julia Donaldson books all day. Like so some days you kind of go, or where did that come from? I can't remember. I can't believe he's remembered that. So I find that like he just loves listening to those kind of things, you know, what the ladybird heard on repeat. Well, I can he can tell you every word of that. That's my yeah. favorite one. I love. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. The smartest giant in town. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm full of frolics of fiddly bees. You know what I mean? So but isn't that great? But that he won't be. But he can't have a conversation with you. So yeah. there's no functional conversation. You can't come home and say this is what I did in school today. There's none of that. But he can have these other. So it's just interesting yeah. the way the mind works very differently. And and that's that's what amazes me, really. You know, we were he's watching Thomas the Tank Engine there. And we're going, what the hell is he doing? All of a sudden he was singing all these Thomas the Tank Engine songs. And we just thought he was flicking through the TV. So you just I suppose, you know, they will surprise you all the time. Then you know he's enjoying enjoying it. Yeah, and that's what he likes, and he's quite happy to be, you know, repeating. And sometimes you kind of go, "Oh my god, he's just said that again." <laughs> but like, isn't it great that he's doing that? Yeah. And, and and he can't take that away from. Him. So we just leave him off, like you know what I mean. And he's going around all day singing at the moment, which he used to do. So he's very happy, and part of that happiness is he's really happy in school. And I suppose two years they missed out of COVID. He had gone into special class, which we were delighted about, but he missed part of that. And then he transitioned to another school on the same site. So he is really happy. And and that's what that is. He is singing every day and he's here and he's kind of come back into himself a bit. So that's just been really, really joyous for us that he's happy. Never mind us. It's not all about us. It's about him. You know what I mean? Well, I am very happy to hear that he's getting such joy in life and a happy child. Okay, I was gonna say makes a happy mammy, but my children are happy a lot and I'm not sure I'm always happy. <laughs> but I'm so glad to hear that he is having good times and good moments. And I hope you continue to be able to enjoy them in the now, as we spoke about earlier. Thank you so much for coming and educating me and hopefully making more people feel confident to reach out and support as is so important in our communities. Lovely to chat to you. Thanks very much, Miriam. No problem. Thank you.